Well, morning, guys. Thought I'd uh, take just a second as we get started just to update you on some just things that are going on. Appreciate all the uh, texts and phone calls and Facebook things with the death of my grandmother yesterday. I uh, appreciate that. And it was quite the hectic day. Uh, in addition uh, to that happening, got a text late last night from Brian Hoke. Uh, that his son Aaron was only being given a 20% chance to live. And so I rushed out to Hershey Medical last night for that. Many of you remember Aaron as we launched the church here, Exponential. He was our first lead guitarist. And so uh, he's not doing, doing too well. His kidneys and liver and pancreas are all shutting down. Uh, I did get an update this morning that he is doing a little bit better this morning. And they're talking to some surgeons about possibly doing some pancreatic uh, surgery if he recovers enough uh, even for that. But he's only 36, has two small kids, so continue to keep them in prayer. And then uh, the, both the, uh, the Song family and the Kerr family have a very, very close friend that he's not expected to live many more hours. And so uh, sort of dealing with that uh, through the night. And I know the Scharf family, um, Tavian's little stepbrother, uh, he... Uh, only about a year old, he passed away yesterday. Uh, so it's been a, a rough, rough last 24 hours in, in many ways. And I know that I'm not the only one going through something. Some of you are going through some things as well that I may not even know about. But um, in the same way that you guys have been praying for me, I want to pray for you. So that's what we're here as a church for, is to just love on one another, and to pray for one another, encourage one another in any way that we possibly can. So uh, let's just go to God right now and just uh, ask for his prayers of comfort for everybody that, that's involved. So Father, we uh, do thank you for who you are. We thank you that your word says that this is a day that you have made and we should rejoice and be glad in it. And that even in the midst of pain and trials and suffering, that God, you are still in control. None of this has caught you by surprise. And Lord, I just pray that you would take all these things that Satan has meant for evil and that you would turn it around and use it for good. Father, give peace and comfort to those that need it in this hour. Lord, uh, for those that maybe are in a, on a mountaintop experience, help them to uh, come down from the mountain to help those of us that are down right now to be lifted back up in the same way that we would do uh, for them. Father, we are truly better together, and so help us just to live that out each and every day of our lives. Father, be with me now as you... Uh, Give me the, the word that you would have me to share with each and every person that's here this morning. I pray that it would change hearts and lives, that we'd all be given a next step that we need to take in our relationship with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are starting a brand new series today called Love and Hate. It's just a brief little two-week series before we get to Easter. And I want to start today with a little survey. How many of you love country music? Let me see a raise of hands. You love country music. Okay, please get up and leave. We need your seats for real Christians. Those of you that know me, you knew some sort of joke was coming because I talk about it all the time, that God hates a couple things. He hates Satan, he hates sin, he hates cats, he hates country music. And he hates the Pittsburgh Steelers. But other than that, he's just, wow, yeah. All right, all, all kidding aside, I have never understood the appeal of songs about your dog and your pickup truck and, you know, your 
you lost your woman to a man named Bubba. I mean, it's just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, all right. So some of you love country music. Some of you hate country music. How about this? How many of you hate sushi? Let me see you raise your hands. You, you hate sushi. Yeah, hands are going. Now, for those of you that have your hands up that you hate sushi, how many of you never even tried sushi and you just think that you hate sushi, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it's awesome. You at least need to try it. Go with somebody that knows about it and stuff, but at, le- at least try it. I, I, love, I love sushi. In fact, maybe that's what we'll have for lunch today is sushi, all right? All right. I have, how many of you out there, you, uh, you like hate Pinterest? You hate Pinterest? Yeah, some of you got your hands up. You, you hate Pinterest. You don't understand the appeal of why are people taking pictures and they're just like storing it on this website and stuff? How many of you say, no, 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 I love Pinterest. I love Pinterest that like unleashes my inner Martha Stewart, right? And I get all <laughs> creative and, and stuff. Yeah, some of you. I, I did these uh, couple things just as a, a point that there's some things in life we love and there's some things that we hate. Now, all of us have been created in the image and likeness of God, so if we've been created in the image and likeness of God, that makes sense then that God must love some things and God must hate some things as well. And so that's what we're going to talk about here over the next two weeks, just some of the things God loves, some of the things that God hates. And I'm going to use some of the stories from our recent trip to Haiti to help to illustrate some of these things. Now, here's a very foundational thing that we need to know about God as we get started. And again, today we're talking about love. If you got a, your outline there, you can follow along with this. Or if you've got a Bible, you want to turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Uh, if you've got a smartphone, you can pull that out, download the Version app. All of our scriptures we're talking about today are on there. By the way, if you need a Bible, we provide them for free out in the, the lobby. But in any case, in 1 John chapter uh, 4, verse 8, we read this. It says, the person who doesn't love doesn't know God because what? God is? Notice it says here, not that... God has loving feelings, or that sometimes he, he, he feels love towards people, this says that God is love. In other words, it's who God is. You look up the definition of love in the dictionary, God's picture should be there. God literally is love. Now, some of you are saying, Gilbert, if God is love, and God is everywhere, why is it that sometimes I don't actually feel God's love in my life? Have you ever felt that way? It's like, does God even love someone like me? Well, that's what I want to talk to you about here this morning. Three different reasons that maybe you're not feeling God's love in your life. So here's the first one if you're taking notes. It's this, that I'm not seeking him the way that I should. Again, I'm not seeking him the way that I should. You know, oftentimes we treat God as just like one choice amongst many. You know, we're, we're out, we're, we're seeking a spouse. I got to find a spouse. I gotta, I'm seeking after a spouse. Or I'm seeking how to have the best relationship with my spouse that I possibly can. Or I'm seeking to provide a better life for my kids. I'm, I'm seeking a better career. I, I'm seeking more in my hobby. I, I want to be better at it. And oh yeah, sometimes I seek after God if I happen to have any leftover time. But there's a real problem with that when God becomes just one choice amongst many that you're seeking. Jesus actually talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, seek first God's kingdom and what God wants, then all of your other needs will be met as well. Who needs to be seeked first? 
God first. You want the secret in, in finding a great spouse? Seek God first. You want the secret to having a successful marriage? Seek God first. You want to be a great parent? Seek God first. You want a better career? Seek God first. You want to be better at your hobby? Seek God first. You always need to put God first because what does Jesus say? When you put God first, then all the other stuff is going to be given to you as well. You'll have the great marriage. You'll have the, the great relationship with your kid. You'll have the great career. You'll have all the stuff that you so desperately want. But we get it backwards, don't we? We put all that stuff before God. He says, no, seek me first, my kingdom, my righteousness, and then everything else will be given to you. Here's what you need to understand about this. The more you seek God, the more you're going to get to know God. And the more you get to know God, the more you're going to understand what is it that God loves and what is it that God hates. And the more you understand what God loves and what God hates, the more you're going to start to do things that God loves. And you're going to do less of what God hates. This is just like any relationship. I mean, think of a romantic relationship. As you got to know the person better and better and better, more and more and more, what did you do? You discovered who they were, what they loved, what they hated. And you started doing more of what they loved and less of what they hated. So it's the exact same way with God. Seek him first. Put him first in every single area of your life. Give him the first part of your day. Give him the first part of your income. Give him the first part of your gifts and skills and talents and abilities that he's given you. Always put him first before anyone and anything else. And then everything else will be given to you as well. As you know, uh, four of us from here at Exponential, we just uh, recently got back from, from Haiti. This is a picture of us. We're in the back of a pickup truck. Uh, heading down to the hospital where we were serving. And notice the, the smiles on our face. Now, we are in the midst of extreme poverty down there. But yet, at the same time, look at the smiles that we had. And you know, I think what part of it was, we had no distractions. There wasn't cell service. There wasn't internet. There, there wasn't TV. There was nothing to distract us from what God had us there to do. We're able to, in the morning, wake up and say, God, here we are. What do you have for us to do today? And it made it really easy down there with all, all the distractions to seek God first, his kingdom, his righteousness. And have joy and contentment like you can see is there on our faces. Here's the secret, not just for the four of us, but for all of us that are here today and everybody that's listening to the podcast today. How can we learn to become distraction-free here in the good old U.S. of A. in the year 2017? What is it that right now the Spirit of God is speaking to you going, yeah, that, that thing... That, that even maybe person, they're distracting you from seeking God. What is it for you? It may be technology. It may be a person. It may be your job. What is it for you that God's saying, you've got to set that aside? 
Seek me first. And if you'll do that, I'll make that other thing even better than when you were seeking it first. So again, what is it for you today? People sometimes don't feel the love of God. And the first point was this. It's because you're not seeking God. Number two then. I may not be loving like God loves. I may not be loving like God loves. You know, I'm sure in your mind you have a a definition of what does true love look like. But as with anything in life, it doesn't matter what our opinion is. It doesn't matter what our definition is. We always need to look to God and, and his word of what does he have to say about a particular subject. Our thoughts are basically irrelevant. It's what does God have to say? And see, as as we get into the word of God, we begin to discover what God says true love, what real love is all about. And then that becomes the model for us of how we need to love other people. And so John continues in the scripture that we're looking at there in in 1 John chapter 4. In verses 9 to 11, he says, God showed his love for us when he sent his only son into the world to give us life. Real love isn't our love for God, but his love for us. God sent his son to be a sacrifice by which our sins are forgiven. Dear friends, since God loved us this much, we must love each other. Listen, God loves us sacrificially, and he expects us to do the same thing. That our love for one another, we must sacrifice. It's not about what we want in the relationship. It's about sacrificing for the other person. About going out of our way to do what they want and to help them and to to serve them in any way that we can. And we do that because just gratitude to Jesus. That God gave his one and only son, Jesus, to die on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven so that we could have not just eternal life forever, but abundant life right here and right now. And so since he sacrificed for us. He says, now I want you to sacrifice for each other. That is what real love is all about. While we were down in Haiti, we went to a a, a native Haitian church there, and I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a little bit, but um, the, the whole service, it starts at 7.30 in the morning and it goes till noon. So don't ever complain that I keep you too long, okay? We got there about 9.30. We were fashionably late. (laughs) Um, And just these like little one by six uh, benches that we sat on. And the like the backrest was like two feet behind you. So like to lean back, you're like literally had to do this. And none of us leaned back. We were literally sitting straight up on these, you know, little benches and stuff. But we didn't understand a word of, of the whole thing. So what happens then is on Sunday evenings, all the missionaries in the area gather together so they can have an English speaking service so that, you know, we can sing together and, and you know, somebody can preach. Well, I ended up preaching uh, the, the message that night. And afterwards, I, I met this woman and just her story completely changed just a lot of our trip. Watch, watch this clip. Hey, Exponential. Um, coming to you here from Haiti. I'm in the compound that we're staying at. 
And I'm up on one of the balconies overlooking the, the fields behind me there, and you can see the mountains in the background as well. The actual compound we're staying on is all out in, in front of me. I can look down and, and see various parts of that, and you can hear the sort of the wildlife that's going on behind me as well. But we just got back from a um, an orphanage, and it was amazing. Uh, there's this woman, her name is Karen. We got to meet her last night. I got to preach at the English-speaking service, and afterwards this woman named Karen came up to tell me how much she appreciated the message, but then I was just getting to know her a little bit and said, well, you know, who are you? Why are you here? And she said, oh, I have this orphanage up the street, and I come down to this service. And she invited us to come up and, and spend some time with the kids. This is a, a woman from Canada who moved to Haiti, and she legally has custody of 17 kids, beautiful kids, um, some with special needs. She's literally given up her life because she loves children, but even more because she loves Jesus. And we were able to sit there and sing some songs with them, and some of them we didn't understand because it was in Creole. But then we sang, Jesus Loves Me, in English. And Jesus loves the little children. And it really hit me when we sang, Red, Yellow, Black, and White. They are precious in His sight. And our team was sitting there, holding these little kids that we had just met. But as a reminder that God loves those children. And even in the midst of extreme, extreme poverty here in Haiti, he hasn't forgotten them because of a woman named Karen. My question is, how can you be a Karen? Who is it that you can reach? It may not be 17 little kids. It may not be in Haiti. But who is it that you can change their life because you show them love? In the, the bathroom where we're staying, there's various signs that are up. And one of the signs says... Love needs no translation. And that's what we've seen here over these past couple days that we've been here is just, you just love people. And as you love people, they see Jesus in you and through you. And so again, I just wanted to, to challenge you that you can do this. I would encourage you to, to come on a mission trip like what we did here so that you can experience some of the things that we've experienced and realize how well we have it as Americans, how blessed we are as Americans, and realize that we are blessed to be a blessing to others. So again, be a Karen for someone, and I really want to strongly encourage you, come, come visit a place like Haiti here and have your life changed. All right. Yes, I've said enough. I love you guys. And again, I just wanted to encourage you that you can do this. God wants you to do this. Filmed that when I was naive enough to think I was actually going to get internet service to be able to upload that so you could see it <laughs> while we were down there. But, uh, you know, if we're going to live like Jesus lived, we've got to learn to love like Jesus loved. And I asked Seth and Bree and Bruce to give me sort of their list of 
things that they thought that God loved while we were on the trip and things that God hated while we were on the trip. And all of them, in, 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 in a way, said that they, they loved the sacrifice that they saw the missionaries were making down there and just the love that they had for the people. I mean, Karen lives in Montreal, which, by the way, we got to play hockey with the kids. You know, you go to Haiti to play hockey, right? Uh, but she lives in, in Montreal, and she gave up a, a great life in Montreal to have an even better life down in Haiti serving those kids. And as I, I said in the video, not everybody's going to be called to move to Haiti or to serve orphans. But all of us have been called by God to, to sacrifice our own lives to give up our own needs and wants and desires to try to make a difference for God with this one and only life that you have here. All of us are going to leave a legacy of some sort. The question is, what is your legacy going to be? What are you going to sacrifice to show the world that they're loved. Sacrifice is an easy word to say. It's not an easy word to live out, is it? Because we get so full of just distractions, things that we seek more than we're, we're seeking after God. And instead of loving people, oftentimes we get frustrated with people, don't we? shared this with you before. One of my biggest frustrations is the grocery store line because I always pick the wrong one. <laughs> it's like I have the spiritual gift of standing in the longest line. <laughs> Anybody identify? Yeah. I mean, you and I, we could be having a contest with one another and you could even let me go first and say, Gilbert, you choose your line. I would get in the line that only has one other person in front of me, which leaves you with a line with like 13 people and you're still going to beat me. I guarantee you're still going to beat me to the front. Because you know why? I always get behind the lady that decides to pay for her groceries with a check. Now, paying for your groceries by check went out of style back when the first Bush was president. I mean, it's been a while, right? You, you, you don't pay for your groceries with a check anymore. But there I am in line behind her. And you would think that she was understanding that I'm going to pay by check, so I should get my checkbook out while the line is still going. But no, she waits until the cashier tells her what the total is. Then she decides to get into her purse. Now, the purse is something that's big enough that if she were flying on an airplane, they would make her check it, right? I mean, it, it couldn't even carry on. And so she's starting to go through this thing, and she's like pulling out. There's a half-eaten Snickers bar, and there's a bottle of water, and she's reaching in. Every product that Mary Kay sells is coming out of this purse. There's her cell phone. She's got a fly swatter, a curling iron. You're going, who in the world are you, Mary Poppins? I mean, come on. And there you wait in the line. You're going, Gilbert, why don't you go to the self-checkout? Well, I've tried that. <laughs> but you stand in line there, too, because the person in front of you doesn't understand how to put the produce and the vegetables and stuff. You know, you got to hit the little code and stuff, and they don't understand it. And then even once you get into the line there and, and you're scanning your stuff, it seems like every two items, it says you either need to, you know, put it back on the thing or call the cashier to come over and help to take care of it. So you're standing there. But you can't find the cashier because they're down in aisle 14 helping Mary Poppins find her checkbook. 
And so instead of loving people, we're so quick to get frustrated by people. And we start to do things we shouldn't do and say things that we shouldn't say. All along, God's going, I'm just calling you to love me and to love others. I mean, you want a synopsis of the Bible? This is a pretty big book. Let me summarize it. Love God, love others. That's it. Don't make it any harder than that. Love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as you love yourself. But now we, we get so frustrated, we get so distracted, and it gets us off point. But remember, God is love. It's who he is. And he wants us to become more and more and more like him. And so every day you need to go out of your way to love like God loves. So if you're not feeling God's love, maybe it's because you're not seeking him. Maybe it's because you're not loving the way he loves. Number three then, I don't feel like I deserve God's love. And this is a pretty common one. A lot of people beat themselves up. They're like, how could God ever love someone like me? After what I've done, after what I've said, after how I acted, how, how could God ever love me? And you know, many days we wake up and we have great intentions, don't we? That today I'm going to serve God with everything that I have. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go out and I'm going to serve people. But then those distractions come and, and those frustrations start to come. And the next thing you know, you've done something you shouldn't have done. And you said something that you shouldn't have said. And, you know, you start to stack days like that on top of one another. And before long, you're just beating yourself up all the time. Going, I'm not worthy of God's love. I don't deserve God's love. God could never love someone like me. But here's what scripture says. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Apostle Paul is speaking, and he says this, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Notice that Jesus came not after we had cleaned ourselves up. He came while we were still in our sins. And so if, if Jesus was willing to do that 2,000 years ago, come while people were still in the midst of their sins, what makes us think that things are different today? That even in the midst of our sins, God still loves us. Now, God may not approve of everything you're doing. He wants you to turn from your sin. He wants you to repent of your sin. He wants to change you. But even in the midst of all that, Scripture says this, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you have prayed and asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you've prayed and you've asked him to come into your life, to be the leader of your life, and you've truly meant that, not just that you were sorry that you got caught in your sins, but you truly turned from your sins, there is no condemnation in your life. Don't allow Satan to beat you up in that way. And if Satan keeps whispering in your ear how bad you are and how God could never love somebody like you, you ask him this question. Say, Satan, why weren't you telling me those things when I was not in a relationship with Jesus? And the answer is very simple. It's because Satan had you exactly where he wanted you. He didn't have to whisper those things. But now that you're in a relationship with Jesus, he's trying to tell you you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not, you know, whatever. 
But while you were still in your sins, Jesus came and died for you. You are free. You are forgiven. You're redeemed. Scripture says you're more than a conqueror. You're a child of God. A daughter of God. You're an heir to the throne. That's who you are. Always look to God's word to see who you are. Don't allow Satan to tell you who you are. And again, God says, you are loved. I love you, he says. In fact, I loved you enough to die for you. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul says this. You were saved by faith in God who treats us much better than what we deserve. This is God's gift to you and not anything that you have done on your own. It isn't something that you have earned, so there is nothing that you can brag about. I've said this to you before. We don't earn God's grace. We don't deserve God's grace. It's an absolutely free gift that he wants you to have. It's yours. It's yours for the taking. So you need to accept it into your life. But as I, I tell you all the time, since he gave up his life for you, the very least you can do now is give your life back to him. And that's what Paul talks about in the very next verse, verse 10. He says, we are God's what? We are God's masterpiece. Put your name in there. That you, your name, you are God's masterpiece. And you are given a new life from Christ Jesus. Therefore, our lives should be filled with good works, which he has planned for us to do. Now listen, we don't do good works in order to be saved. We do good works out of gratitude that we are saved. Jesus, thank you that you gave up your life. You sacrificed your life on the cross for me. And so now out of gratitude, I'm going to do these good things. I'm going to follow your word. Not because I'm trying to earn your merit or earn your favor. I'm going to do it. Just out of gratitude, out of thanks for what you did for me there on the cross. And that's what all of us need to do is look, how can I take my life and give it back to God so that these great works which he's planned for me can be accomplished? As I said in the video there, we are blessed to be a blessing. Did you ever think about that? You have been blessed by God in order for you to now be a blessing to others. You know, one of the greatest ways that you can be a blessing is financially. Because did you know that you are super rich? You're going, not me, Gilbert. I'm not rich, man. I'm, I'm poor, man. I'm struggling. I'm just barely getting by. You want to know what poor is? Go to Haiti. Did you know that if you even make just minimum wage here in the United States, that it would take a Haitian 11 and a half years to make the same amount of money you make making minimum wage. If you're the average person here in Dauphin County, just the average income for a family, it would take a Haitian 40 years of working to earn the same amount of money that you make in just one year. And that's just if you're average. So we are super, super rich. Yet we complain, don't we? Oh, I don't have the latest fashions. I don't have the newest iPhone. 
I don't have this. I don't have that. My house is too small. My car isn't new enough. And meanwhile, people in Haiti are suffering. Now, Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere, but they only rank number 20 in the poorest nations in the world. The average person in the world is on less than $2 a day. You spend twice that much every day on a cup of Starbucks. But yet you complain and say, well, I, I can't sacrifice. There's nothing I can do to, to make a difference. Well, yeah, if you want to keep living that consumeristic lifestyle, sure. But you can make a difference. And again, part of it's financially. So I start to wrap up. Let me uh, remind you of two more things that God loves. One is his church. Jesus said, the church is my bride. And the church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. We're it. Another thing that God loves is generosity. When his people give to help other people. And so I mentioned to you earlier that we went to the church down there on uh, two Sundays ago. It's in a city called Verretz. And it's about 10 minutes from the compound where we were staying. It's part of our denomination. But the reason I requested that we would uh, go to this particular church was they don't currently have a church in our denomination here in the United States that sponsor them, that, that supports them, that's a sister church. So I had figured that, you know, we had uh, people there from Exponential and that this may be something that we would want to do. And so we were talking to the lady that's sort of in charge of the, the partnership uh, program, and she told us how cheap it was to do it. And so it was almost like a no-brainer. But I'm talking to Seth and Bree and Bruce about it before we go, and I said, you know, is this something we want to make? a decision beforehand that we're just going to do this and that way we'll be able to announce it while we're there you know and and stuff or do we want to go and check it out first and uh you know just see what it's like and and see if they're compatible and, and they said yeah let, let's do that let, let's just make sure it's sort of compatible with exponential that it, it feels like a good fit for us now i add in one little side note here as a pastor the expectation was that i had to have dress pants on i had to have a white shirt and a necktie all right, which, you know, that's not me, right? But I, I, I had to have all these things on. So with all that in mind, I want you to uh, watch and, and listen to a little bit of our experience at this church in Verrett's. Watch this.
what the pastor wasn't wearing? <laughs> notice what he had on? Did you notice it? T-shirt. <laughs> Bruce leaned over to me. He's like, yeah, this is our church. That's <laughs> and you could tell he was pretty animated, you know, and he was cracking some jokes and various things. And Seth said to me, he's just like you. Yeah, we, we, need, to, we need to sponsor this church. Do you notice the passion they had in worship? Do you notice how happy they were? How joyful they were? Why? Because Jesus is all they have. Those people probably had two, two pairs of clothes. Clothes they wear six days a week. And then they got their Sunday best there that they were wearing. They, they were, you know, half the size of us, but way louder than us when they were singing. Because you come in, it's just something you do, right? Oh, it's Sunday, I'm supposed to be in church. Okay, I'm going to sit there and watch the band do their thing. I may or may not sing. It's because you got so much. And they realized that Jesus is all we need to be happy. Jesus is all we need to experience love. Now, as we kept touring around afterwards, and by the way, are we blessed for this building? I mean, we, we got a building in pretty bad shape that we had to renovate, but look at what they worship in there, right? And so we were able to, to tour around a little bit, and um, the picture that's on the screen there, that's their Sunday school room there. And back in the back, you see the two little uh, block things, that, that's the restrooms, which by restrooms, I mean a wall that's covering a hole in the ground. And then we actually went into the, the Sunday school room, they're going to show you the picture here, there's a... I was standing behind a bench as I took it, and then there's a little bench there. That's, that's the Sunday school room. But we're there, and we quickly got kicked out, and we later found out why. Turns out when the men's bathroom out back is busy, back, 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 back. Come on, David. <laughs> notice, notice, the, notice on the floor there. Men use that as the bathroom. So what we found out was that for only $700 a year, we can pay the entire budget for that church. $700. Look the next time you get a paycheck. Have a feeling for most of you that paycheck 
could pay for their budget for a couple years. So we've committed we're going to sponsor this church in Veritz, provide them the $700, and then anything that we give above and beyond that, we can actually help to direct. So the next picture then is this is the front entrance. And we actually drove past it on the way because how would you know that that's a church? So we were like a half mile past and finally somebody said, I think we passed it like back the way. So we turned around and, and went back. So like for $200, we can uh, have a Haitian make a really nice sign that would be out there. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to be praying about how much do you want to give towards helping this church? And this above and beyond your normal tithes and offering. This is, you know, this is a sacrifice. How much do you want to give? Because the more we give, the more we can do. And, you know, my, my first instinct was when we got back that night, we were sort of debriefing, was thinking, oh, we should build them better benches to sit on, make it more comfortable. And then I said to the team, no, that's a horrible idea because that's our problem. We've made church too comfortable. I mean, look at the chairs. You're, do you realize just the front row of chairs there would pay for their whole budget for a year? That's the problem with the American church. We've made it too comfortable. Next time you complain that it's too hot or too cold in here, remember, <laughs> they're just sitting there sweltering from 7.30 to noon. <laughs> right? There's so many things that we like to complain about. But yet, I want you to remember that video, the joy that those people had. And there are some things that we could, Bruce took a lot of pictures of, you know, little things we can do just to, to help out that doesn't necessarily increase their comfort, but it'll increase the impact of the church. You know, they got some pretty big holes in the roof. So that is one thing when it rains, you know, to have, you know, sister so-and-so's got her Sunday best on, she's getting soaked by rain. So that'd be nice to be able to do a new roof. And, and things down there aren't all that expensive. And we'd like to be able to improve that Sunday school room and the bathroom so that the guys don't have to go in and pee on the floor where, you know, kids and stuff are going to be. So two things I want you to do. Pray about how much you're going to give. And over the next month or so, just give and just make sure it's designated, you know, that, that it's for Haiti. Or if you're online, we actually have in our online giving, one of the funds is missions fund. There's a sub fund for Haiti that you can go give there. But then I also want you to pray about actually going to Haiti experiencing the things that we experienced. I, my sort of dream would be this, that we'd have so many people that want to go from here at Exponential that we'd actually have to do two trips in the next calendar year, do one late this fall, early winter, and then another one next year this time. Because we had so much money and so much interest that came in that you know, we can only take about eight at a time or so. So I, I just, I want you to pray about it. Just, if you have any interest at all, just put it on a connection card. That, you know, information about Haiti. And we'll have a little informational uh, meeting for you. And, and Bree already was uh, practicing cooking her uh, Haitian food. And I think she even bought a cookbook 
Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll feed you a Haitian meal here at the church and we'll show you some more pictures and videos and stuff and answer all of your questions of, you know, will I die while I'm there or, you know, all, all, the, all the fears that you have of, of going on a trip of, you know, my mom said, oh, I, I can go now because I see you didn't have to sleep on the ground. I was like, mother, we knew beforehand we weren't going to sleep on the ground. We slept in beds, you know. <laughs> so the, the compound, you know, it, it's, it's nice. It's glorified camping, basically. But still, you're, in a, you're inside, you know, and, and you're in a bed. So we'll, we'll answer all those questions for you. But I'd love to see every single one of you commit to within the next, you know, year or two going down and, and seeing what's going on there. It'll completely change your world. All four of us this week, uh, they had warned us. They said, and I've been to other third world countries before, but nothing like Haiti. And they had warned us that you're going to have trouble re-entering the United States. And we're like, what? And it has, well, all of us said, you know, this week has just been a fog. Because you just look around. Again, you, you do simple things like looking at a front row of chairs and going, holy cow, just those chairs are more money than what it would take to sponsor this church. Or you, you realize that, you know, that most people, they have one set of clothes. That's it. And that was donated to them. We saw some funny t-shirts that they had no idea what they meant. <laughs> but, but you just see things and you experience things. And then it's a beautiful country. The mountains and the, the rivers and we got to go to the ocean and stuff and, or the Caribbean and do all that just beautiful. But then you, you just see all this poverty amongst it. There's no laws. It's every man, woman, boy, and girl from themselves. So anyway, pray about those things. Speaking of prayer, let's, uh, let's uh, end with one more scripture here. And it says this. We love because God first loved us. We love because Jesus loved us enough to die in our place. So what are we going to sacrifice now and give back to him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you for the experience that we were able to have down in Haiti and that we were able to see things and experience things. And I know there's some others from here at the church that they've been down uh, already as well, uh, that they were able to experience those things. And you really start to understand what love is all about and what joy and contentment are all about. Lord, help us as rich Americans, to evaluate and examine our own lives, to see what is in our lives that may not be pleasing to you, and to say, God, I'm going to seek you first, and I'm going to seek you with all of my heart, and God, I'm going to learn how to be generous, and I'm going to learn how to love like you love. God, I'm not going to allow the distractions and the frustrations of this world to steal my joy. Jesus, thank you that you did come and live a perfect and sinless life and you died on the cross so that our sins might be forgiven. Not just so that we could get a get out of hell free card, but so that we could have an abundant life right here and right now. But God, abundance has nothing to do with our possessions. It has to do with internally what's going on inside of us and the, the joy that we have knowing that our lives have meaning and purpose and that we're making a difference. So Lord, help us to take our eyes off of ourselves, put them fully onto you 
so that we can serve you better each and every day and show the world what real love really looks like. I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.